What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. Before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out my band. That's at Run With The Band, at Run With The Band, uh, anywhere you follow people at. We also have our EP that we release. It's called How To Start A Fire, and it's on every streaming platform. You can go hit runwithitband.net, and it'll link out from there. On today's episode, we have Odd Rod. Storyteller Odd Rod is a motivational speaker using stories, poetry, and photography to uplift audiences and help individuals overcome the obstacles that life brings. Forwarding his own journey has earned him fully funded bachelor's and master's degrees, and he is now returned to the stage where he has been recognized as this year's spoken word artist of the year. He feels that reality must be documented and shared for the sake of those who are subjected to similar conditions. In today's episode, we explore letting go of the ego and the facades that tend to hinder us. He also unpacks his focused concepts of our goals will separate us and our losses carry wins. In those concepts, he shares the story of renaming himself Odd Rod at the age of 13 and knowing he was going to have to separate himself to become who he knew he was going to truly be. A ton of great wisdom in this episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. To answer your question, I am um, not quite back on tour doing what I during my presentations as far as the uh, show go, but I do some other things just kind of moving around. So I sporadically right. go places um, working with another company. Gotcha. Well, and I know last time we talked, you were more in the academic world, wrapping up your master's. Um, and again, I'm sorry, I don't even know what happened. So that's it's your episode 81 and there's two episodes that completely somehow I messed up and they're gone. And one of yours, sadly, one of them was sadly yours. And I, I have no idea what happened from it. So for the listener, um, you guys missed out. It was a phenomenal one and that was all my fault. So I apologize, <laughs> but okay. I, I hope to dive into, I, I, your stories are so powerful and, uh, just kind of the things you've learned along your journey. So I hope to dive into some of that. So, uh, for the listener, it'll be your first time. So, but I apologize to you, Adrod. <laughs> <laughs> if it it's feels okay. like we're going over it. Um, but I, yes. got a, I got a memory problem, so I don't remember any of it. Well, hell yeah, then we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So does it feel good uh, to be back out moving around? Because I know, again, about a year ago when we were talking, you were kind of locked in, locked in and, and making yeah. stuff happen at school. I, um, I was a real student for the master's program and it was I was non-traditional and it was a program that I wasn't familiar with when I started it so I was locked away I didn't realize how locked in I was I kind of isolated myself from people reaching out to me just to get through that thing successfully right but I am excited to be returned to the road um because I'm more informed now and now mm-hmm. merging my education with the experience I already had uh takes me up like 10 notches I love it well, and you know, it's funny because as I went into relaunching the band, uh, we relaunched Run With It since we Congratulations. last talked. Uh, thank you, man. And actually, we're going to be on the same agency. I heard you signed uh, with Metropolis. Yeah. Right? Okay. Is that yes. public knowledge? Yeah. No, that's fine. That's my main oh, man. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and, right and people now. Yeah, I love Salish, and we've been friends for years, And uh, but yeah, we're going to be joining Welcome the team aboard. there, too. So we'll we'll be uh, hustling the same one. Um, I'm excited. But I, I keep... Playing, I keep playing back our conversation we had. 
because I remember you said you're completely off social media at that time. You were wrapping up your masters and that power of that focus kind of, it just keeps inspiring me. I keep reminding myself, I was like, well, Adra knew he had this big thing in front of him and he made, he, he took this discipline to say, I'm going to put all my energy right here. Cause I know it's going to benefit me. Like you said, now you're back to your career, but it's 10 notches higher, you know? And can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to, to have that, that focus, that ability to just whittle it down to that one thing? Uh, my goal was, was ahead of me. And I realized how much social media uh, can disrupt my life. Um, I respond, I'm funny. I'm going to get on there and tell jokes. I'm going to make people <laughs> laugh, or, um, share some wisdom. And I knew that my goal was to walk across that stage successfully and to really get locked in on this program. I figured that if you isolate yourself and discipline yourself, then you can yield some amazing rewards. And I know that getting away to write that book, getting away to write that song, getting away from everything. I was already away from, like from people as far as you know socialization. I didn't really talk to many people. Um, and I had to limit times. At the time, I had a girlfriend. I had to limit times that I could talk to her in order mm-hmm. to really get to that goal. And I knew how who I could be if I just really laser focused on it and you have to remove everything off the table, that can be a distraction. And that was mm. my decision. And it, it worked very well. I love that. And it did, it, it inspired me as I kept seeing all these things, you know, I would write all the different things that needed to happen. And I'm like, man, where do, where do you even start? You know, cause you get, sometimes it feels like you're, you're just going to try to carry all the plates in the kitchen and then try to stir the pot and then do everything else with your feet. And at the, at the end of the day, it all just kind of breaks, you know, and falls down. It right, doesn't work. Right. So. And some people are really good at putting so many, so many things on their plate that the, the plate itself is too much to carry. And wow. so all those things fall apart and drop. And I tell people not to do that. I people close to me um, not to do that. And they, they do it. And I see the results. Like, even if you made it, you lost something when you made it. Hmm. Uh, Lauren Hill got the song. She say, uh, you just lost one. You, you might really think you won it, but you just lost one. And it, that one was more important than anything. So even if you make it, you're like, oh, by the skin of my teeth, I made it. I carried all these things and made it. There's something that you lost in that process. Right. It's funny because um, my 10-year-old this morning at breakfast, random, he, he asked me, Daddy, does, does uh, money make you happy? Is, is his That's breakfast really conversation this, today. This is the new 10-year-old, though. This is not, uh, this is not my 10-year-old, 10-year-old, because I was, like, <laughs> like goofy watching Disney channels. These, right. these 10-year-olds now yeah, are different I, 10-year-olds. <laughs> it's all – maybe he found the philosophy end of TikTok or something, and, and it was funny because <laughs> yeah. I – I, I really struggled, you know, talking to him because I've always been pissed off when I hear rich people say money doesn't make you happy because I'm like, you know what? I think there's a lot of problems I have that can be solved by money. But at the end of the day, you know, and so we, we kind of like we're wrestling back and forth. It's like at the end of the day, you also see where people um, have. Have you seen the new Kanye uh, documentary? Jesus. And yeah, um, it's so phenomenal. But as you watch, watch the rise and fall, it's like, here's a man who has everything, but now he's like grasping for his roots because maybe he lost something along the way. And it makes me right. think of what you're saying with Lauren Hill. It's like, wow. you, can, you can gain that thing you want. And yes, money will solve a lot of my problems. But at the end of the day, if you don't have internally, um, you know, physically the, the th- and relationally, the things you want, maybe you're going to get it and you're not happy at all. 
what was it all for? Right. Right. So yeah, it's, yeah, it, it kind of like stopped me in my tracks. I'm just trying to cook eggs and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ask me yeah, about that. I love them. I love the youth nowadays because of course they're, they're more advanced, but sometimes it means that they're capable of knowing um, what you're, they're knowing things sooner, which allows us to talk to them sooner and communicate in a different manner sooner. You know, my, my nephew is just turned two years old and he's already doing things that, you know, two-year-olds back in the days just didn't do and so right we can grab a hold and we can't like i remember my I remember my brother telling me about his son he's like i can't wait till he get the age where he can talk and and communicate because i'm gonna light him up i'm gonna light him up he's, he's like i know <laughs> he don't understand communication now but as soon as he does we're gonna have a long discussion and put him in put him in his place <laughs> and he's at that age now so i know but they're they're sooner it's sooner to happen that age comes sooner these days it's true. Like I remember sitting, my oldest is 18. He's getting ready to go to college. And, uh, but I remember when we're sitting there at like a campsite and he was 13 and he's talking about politics. And then, and I'm like, I didn't even think about politics till my mid twenties, but like, he's just been passionate about it. But I, it's, it's, it's weird because it's that double-sided coin, the whole internet and exposure to the world can be so problematic. And like you said, you know, you had to turn it off to focus, to accomplish your goals. But at the same right. time, that flood of information, it's almost like they're, yeah, as, as the generations are coming up, they're exposed to more and more ideas. So they're ready to wrestle with them. Maybe not everybody, yes. but it seems like more and more. You said it perfectly. They're ready to wrestle with them. And mm -hmm. so with that knowledge comes responsibility. And that responsibility is on us at that young age, and to make sure that they have that gate around them to kind of you know nurture that that knowledge that's coming in. Sometimes people be like, "You're so smart," and you walk away from it. No, don't walk away from it because now you got to <laughs> fight with it. You know, right. it's, exactly. uh, it's really interesting. Like you, we still have a responsibility to them, which is why I'm back on the road. That's awesome. Well, and I that's one thing. Like with a big value we have as a family is this idea of thinking for yourself, thinking critically. And, you know, down to like, I have my own thoughts about religion and about, you know, God or gods or whatever. But like, even down to that point, like I'll, if they ask me directly, I'll tell them what I think. But instead, if they ask me questions, I'll say, well, the, these people think this about their God and their religion. What do you think about that? You know, it's like, it's seeing that I, I love watching them wrestle through all of those concepts and all that, yeah. uh, all the, all those ideas in in beginning to form their own processes that's really cool right critical now for you you're doing i know we met obviously in the college circle and for the listeners uh, we we were out in apca and the nakas all that kind of stuff um and but do you find yourself speaking to younger and younger audiences as well as you're on tour now yeah um i actually enjoy speaking to younger audiences much more than i do colleges now i realize colleges course they have a budget but they don't have the people that we we've been re trying to reach because colleges students you know they reach that level of i don't need to go to this back in the days again back in the days you 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 announce that someone's coming to your college and people rush in and nowadays hmm. people they're on your phone so you don't worry about going to shows as much as you do and and so it's it's tough to get people out of their uh their element which is usually their room or their small social sphere that they don't have to interact with anyone else so to get them to come to an event is um is troublesome but at a high school they are still excited they're more impressionable they're the as a matter of fact let's go all the way back to middle school uh 
sixth graders have been a great target audience for me, sixth graders and seventh graders, with the same message that I was giving to college students. That's but I realized that I started writing when I was 13 and I was running away from a suicidal um, thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I was right at their age and I, my writing started then. My story starts around that time. And so the students are right at that moment where they can, they're going through it because the troubles haven't stopped because I got over them. Of course, more people are going through it. So I want to help them at that age and I can guide them at that age. But as they get older, like I saw complete difference from the sixth graders and seventh graders because the seventh graders kind of came in with the cool factor, you know, the ego. They're in the the back, you know, laying back. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm too cool (laughs) to ask questions. I'm not going to ask questions. Or sixth graders will cry right in front of you and tell you what's going on. Ask Mm -hmm. questions. Seventh graders weren't so bad, but they still had that cool kick in. So if you can imagine by the time you reach college, you know it all. Right. And you're just trying to share all, you know, with everybody, including the professor. (laughs) That's true. When I was 19, I knew everything. I really did. You know, I was like, I was smartest dude around. (laughs) Yeah. And then as I I got older, I found out I was an idiot. (laughs) Right. Right. And right. What What a time to realize that you're an idiot. And I've seen it. I've seen it time again. And the older you get, that doesn't stop. You know, you start to get 29 and you'd be like, yo, I think I know enough. No, no, I'm still an idiot. (laughs) But that process (laughs) makes you a genius. To understand that that's your process Mm. makes you a genius. That's good. Argue that the best thing that you can show is that you don't know something. So many times people ask me things I don't have the answer. I tell them I write poetry because I know that. But you ask me about your alternative, I write poetry. (laughs) You're like, I don't don't know much about that. (laughs) Mike Tyson, recently, I I saw an interview with him. It was pre-punch. Uh, pre-airplane punch uh, for him. Uh, he's super high during this particular podcast, of course. But he said something that really hit me. It stuck with me. And because he's what, probably 60 now, something like that. And yeah, they were talking about this concept of like, does he know himself? And he's like, I don't know myself fully. And he's like, I'm continually asking questions, continuing to grow. And it, it was inspiring to hear someone who, you know, has conquered the world time and time again, at least in his domain. And, but for him, he was like, I, I would be dead if I knew myself because then it's over. I have no more growth left. Yeah. And he's like, that's absurd to think. And I was like, here is hi, Mike Tyson. <laughs> you know, I, I come from the era of Mike Tyson. Once he got the face tattoo and had the tiger running around, that's kind of what we yeah. thought of him. But like, no, he's, he's having this really huge concept of like, no, you have to keep growing, keep asking questions and explore yeah. yourself in your life. No question about it. No question about it. So many people that die without ever knowing who they were. Because they perform. I always uh, say that when you meet people, you meet you meet the representative most times. That's the person mm-hmm. with the ego. That's the person they presented to you. That's whatever it is, the resume that they show you. Um, it's a performance. Rarely do you meet a person and really meet that person, that, that genuine person down to their core. Sometimes they've gone through enough to there's only the person left. Mm. it stripped them of the ego but mm. for, mo- for the most part people have presentation and then you you catch them in their house or uh, when the lights go down as a different person and you be like this is the person well, who is that yeah. that I met and and sometimes you get you, you're lucky to meet a person and then sometimes the the ego can invite itself right back into the you know for whatever you might catch a person at who's just gone through trouble uh, lost everything and so you got the person and as they start recovering, 
they get some more money. They start dressing. Oh, the gosh. energy starts changing. They put that this this the the eat the pre- the presentation. The representative starts to step right in front of that person, and you you begin mm. not to know who you're talking to anymore. He's like, hey, I remember. And you don't want to be like, don't forget where you come from. But at the same time, you know that a person is completely giving you a, a persona, you know, mm. that, that they put back on. Now, now, you know, the house that they've lived in forever is not big enough. Uh, right. The clothes aren't grand enough. And uh, and it's it's fortunate in this lifetime to really meet people who really, really know, who show who they are. And right. um you, you kind of hold on to those type of people because there's a transparency that you kind of need around you. Other than that, you just got a bunch of people acting in a play. Right. And so where I, I love this perspective and I'm curious for you, where does that come from? Is it a mentor that, that showed you this? Is this just from your own self exploration? Uh, where does that, per, that perspective come from for you? Um, I've, I've been stripped. And so the more that I've been able to communicate, the more that I realize people aren't communicating. I, I was like, yo, I put myself out there when my, in my poetry. This is what I went through. Here's my poverty. This is the struggle. I'm, here's my suicidal thoughts. I have nothing else to show you but this. Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to, I can't step on stage and be someone else. So if I'm in a room with just you and I, this is me on stage too with me and a thousand people. Um, and I realize that a lot of people can't quite do that because mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, they, they are seen as this, they see themselves as this. And so you never really get a chance to know people, but that comes from relationships and different people. You know, when you got somebody, because the conversation is different, the energy is different. There's a fearlessness that they have about this life and communicating. Mm. That's huge. So it sounds like for you, it was just the process of stepping into it yourself and it, and seeing what it tastes like in a way. Yep, and and sitting and staying at the table. In what? <laughs> staying at the table. Staying like never the coming table away once, from that. Yeah. Once you once see I it, got a taste of it, accepting it, I was like, yo, uh, yeah, never never needing to go be anywhere else <laughs> and finding more people that want to come to the table, right? That's that deserve to be at the table because they're real people, right? Mm-hmm. I like so it's funny because I'm like I'm not shitting you. I was literally studying about this concept, like on the way here, I, I do audiobooks is kind of my thing. And on the way here from the coffee shop, I have the coffee right here. But for those who are listening, <laughs> um, I, so last week I had this unique opportunity. I have a sorted, I have a sorted history with the religion, but now I'm just very fascinated by all like aspects of people searching, trying to search for truth. Right. And I don't know what happened to my camera, but hold on one second. I hear you. <laughs> oh, okay. Continue. You write on something. Don't let that stop the conversation. Yeah, we might have to go camera less on this one. Um, I think my cable busted. Hold on one second. Uh, All right. We'll see. Murphy's if- Law follows me. Right. <laughs> anyway, so so last week I had the opportunity to sit down with like Hare Krishna monks. Uh, my drummer, Daniel Cole. You remember Daniel probably from the Do a Dreads, Skinny Black Do a Dreads. Yep, sure um, do. Lighting stuff on fire and everything. <laughs> And he's been hanging out with these monks and I was pretty excited to get invited to sit down and talk with him. And I've been exploring meditation and we're talking about meditation. Anyways, it leads me to go buy like the entire, like all these books on Buddhism. So like I'm studying about this concept that you're talking about right now, about this idea of 
of letting go all the ego, letting go all these layers and getting to who you truly were. And I was one, I was just uncomfortable with it because it seems wrapped in religion when I'm talking to it (laughs) or or when they're talking about it. But what I love about your perspective is you, I felt like you just made me comfortable with it because it it felt very real. It felt like real world. Like this is what it looks like in the real world. Not like taken over by like some religious people who want you to tithe or do whatever, you know, it's like, no, this is what it can look like in real life and how, how your true self can shine through. But it's funny because I even noticed like my hesitancy to want to accept it. I was like, that's probably the layers of shit over the ego. <laughs> that's, that's like, Hey, no, no, we don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. So even that's, that's, why I was, it. <laughs> that's why I was curious where it came from for you in that perspective. That's, that's pretty cool. Some, someone I've never done too much reading on, uh, religion i'd never read the bible i was raised in a, in a baptist church and went to church every sunday and 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 uh listened to what people read to me and um i have my my thoughts about religion um they pulled me further away from that uh, space that i was in when i was younger for sure mm-hmm. uh, but i was speaking with someone i forget who it was but they were like you you're pretty much practicing buddhism but they someone it's, had to it tell really me, sound so, like you were explaining it to me <laughs> Like, no, I've never, and that's not even, that's just me. That's just experience, right? It's experience mm-hmm. and knowledge and experience and uh, learned knowledge that kind of comes together. And to me, that's how facts are created. Uh, so I'm really right. grateful that it aligns with something, but it was naturally given to me just to kind of look around and, and uh, look at my life and the people in my life. Yeah. So I know that me being me in most cases forces people to be themselves. Mm. Well, and that's why I noticed the people that, that, that have that, that, that are settled in that. Like, I feel like I know people that I could say like this person and they often, it is, it's almost like that unspoken invitation to just be yourself. It's a freedom. There's a freedom of a pure freedom. And that can sometimes be problematic for people who don't have a chance to reach this point in their lives. And they have to continue to keep the performance up. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the piece too of like we're going back to the whole Lauren Hill, you know, you lost one. It's like if you if you build this facade all the way to the pinnacle of your success, then you still have nothing because it wasn't even you who's experiencing it anymore at that point. You know? Yeah, there's a there's a shadow of you still in the closet somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Man. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's really cool because i was like i really was on my way home i was wrestling with that i'm like i'm like i don't know i was like something about the concept i liked but again it's so for me my like just i'm being ambiguous like my i was evangelical pastor for a very long time and then like through a process of asking questions uh realized i was an atheist i realized i did not find you know proof for these things that were in front of me and so because that it, it does have a lot of baggage um but like I said, I, I went through a period where like I just locked everything down, like no, no nothing from any of those worlds where now I'm just kind of like, I feel like religion in general seems like people who are all trying to grasp to understand human nature, understand themselves, understand the world. Um, and there may be some interesting and valuable things in each little piece. And so that's what's kind of led me on this quest um, that I'm in. Uh, but I, I, I sense a hesitancy always of like when it, when it sounds religious, but that's what I love about yeah. what you were saying. It was very, 
on a very real world. And that's something I think with your performance, you know, seeing you perform, seeing you grab a hold of an entire room of hundreds of students and just like you could hear a pin drop. I remember watching you, you had them bring up the lights and you're walking around these students, you know, and, and sharing your stories. Um, I think what does seem to make it so powerful is it comes out of your real and true experiences. And there's a story you shared uh, with me last time where you were on, I believe you're like maybe 12 or 13 and you're on your back porch. And uh, we were, I think we were talking about your concept of, um, you know, our goals will separate us because that, that concept, that's another thing that inspires me as I follow what you're doing. Um, can you unpack that story a little bit for us here, for me and the listener of, mm-hmm. of uh, our goals will separate us and how that, that has driven you through this entire career you've built now? Thank you so much. The day my brother passed away, um, it was the one of the worst days of my life, uh, especially in my, my teen life. And um, we stayed in an apartment complex in the hood, pretty much on the beach in Jacksonville. Jacksonville Beach has a hood or had a hood. They still got a hood. There's <laughs> a hood everywhere as long as, you know, I, we'll go down that road some other time. However, we stayed in this apartment complex and my mom let me know that my brother was gone, that we were about to go to the hospital. And I stepped outside and I immediately thought that I would, I was just ready to die too, because my life was already felt like worthless. My mom was on drugs. My father left me. And now my brother, my older brother has died of brain cancer. And I stepped on the back porch and I had a friend back there and I remember crying um, and, and, and just feeling suicidal. And around that same time, I remember uh, listening to Tupac's I Ain't Mad At You and seeing a video come out for it. Tupac had recently um, uh, passed away. Well, the timing might be off because Tupac passed away later on that year. And so mm-hmm. I must have stepped out on that back porch again after seeing I Ain't Mad At You and realizing my brother was still with me in spirit because that's what Tupac's video represented after he died the video comes out and he's depicted himself as an angel that has already mm-hmm. died which is the weirdest thing wow and so seeing that i was like my brother and he saw himself as an angel talking to his his brother or friend in the back seat of the car after he died and so i was like my brother's still with me and in the song tupac said whatever it takes for any of y'all to get out of the hood i'm with you i ain't mad at you and mm-hmm. i named myself all right rod i said i'm gonna go against the odds all my friends selling drugs and i want to because that's where the money coming from and i want money I need money just to make myself happy at this young age because I'm not getting it. The refrigerator is empty and mom's on drugs and she's not even paying attention to these things. And so I was like, I'm not going to sell drugs. I'm going to go get my education and I'm going to live for my brother. And ever since then, I've been living for my brother. I've been living my life. This is Eric's life. These three bands say Eric's life. I've been chasing 16, you know, just in case I died too. Right. Um, I'm going to give my life as, as as full of a life as I can live, you know, as I'm going to give it a fighting chance and, here we are. I turned 40 this year, still living Eric's life. Yeah, man. And so at, you know, 12, 13, you, you name yourself and you take on this. Whole, right, right. For, for you, was that name indicative of the goal? Was it indicative of a whole different persona or is it indicative yeah. of like what you sense you truly were, but the everything around you was holding that back? I think it gave me and um, the name gave me a new identity. I no longer had to be the person I was that was going through the things that I was going through. Now I had to, I got a chance to live in another personality, which is coincidental. I just spoke about people having the, the presentation forward. And so right. 
the person I was then after I heard the song and I named myself I Rod, this persona was more so um, attached to the reality. So they kind of merged later on. It was a, a persona that I played a role in, like, all right, Rod, don't do this. Or, all right, Rod, don't do that. And that kept me going to school. It's like, okay, all right, Rod, going to get some good grades. Because if you see, all right, Rod, get the good grades. That's, that's so interesting that you asked that, and I'm able to explain it at this manner. But eventually they merged, and the real person began to show too. And so I can have conversations with a barista that I've never met or a person sitting next to me on the plane because the person bled through the presentation that developed over the years as well. All right, right. Rod became a lifestyle. Oh, I'm, oh, I don't do that. You know, that's unrodly. You know, unrodly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> unrodly, man. Well, and it, I think that is interesting, too, because I feel like some of the my own internal processing over the years has been taking away layers even from the way I grew up, you know, and whether well-intentioned or, or not, you know, the things that uncles or aunts or moms or dads, you know, laid on top of me. So it, I wonder, you know, like you said, it's like maybe that, that core personality odd rod was, it's like the core personality is trying to reach out past everything and grab it and say, Hey, this, this is who we really are. Um, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So there's a, I think in the beginning you step on stage and you step into the persona, the uh, mm -hmm. representation. Mm -hmm. And at some point in my life, I no longer had to step into the persona. I found out, you know, it was the same person on and off the stage. And hmm. yeah, I've, I've been I've been so happy and more at peace with my work and with what I'm able to do. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Now, you're one of your other um, I think of as like mantra is uh, your failures carry wins. Did I say it correctly? Our losses. Our losses. I'm sorry. Our, our losses carry wins. And where does that come from for you? It pulls away from. I lost Eric and I gained a new sense of myself. Um, every time I lose, I feel like I find some type of win in it. And it's, um, you know, it might be cliche to say, but that's, it's just one of those things. That, and I developed it in that manner. Cause I was like, yeah, I had a, a lot of losses, but I, I won a lesson relationships. When I lose, I have to lose or leave the relationships. I figure out what I gained from them. And, and that gives me energy to move forward. And I realized, like, really, every time we lose, there's something to be gained out of it. Now, whether we recognize it or not is on us. But right. I do my best to find out what it is that I lost. Um, and it, sometimes I don't I don't get all the opportunities that other artists get. I'm not recognized in certain spaces. But when I do get recognized, it's it's, it's done. You know, it's pretty big. It's a cool deal. You know, when, right. when people actually get it. And because I think the way I looked at the loss was, you know, was pivotal. So. Right on. Well, and you mentioned like leaving relationships and I know uh, kind of back to the idea, like our goals will separate us. What, what are some lessons you've learned along the way um, in that separation? Like what, what are some, what are some hard lessons, I guess, or, well, it, it, I'm trying to form the question. I'm sorry <laughs> out loud, but I'm thinking of like someone, maybe a listener who's listening through and they, they sense that they're like, I have goals that seem to be bigger than the things around me. Uh, what would you say to them or what, what advice or what story would you share with them? I think that, I mean, I had to separate from my mama. There was a time that I saw my mama walk in the street uh, during the addiction and it was embarrassing. I was on a school bus and I looked at her and I said to myself, I'll never forget you, 
but I must remember me. Hmm. And in, in remembering myself and my goals and the things that the life that I felt like I deserved, it gave me peace with moving forward. I love and care about my mom, but I know that if I chase her down that, that road, trying to save her, trying to help, um, that would have been damaging to me because I would have been out of school that day. The teachers ain't going to, you know, they don't, they have life goes on and it's, it's, it's kind of tough for a lot of people to accept that, mm. but we're all given our own lives. I feel like we're driving on our own highway and what you give your life, the energy you give your life will give you the results. Whether you do the work in the beginning, whether you allow something to get you up out of the, off of your tracks or whether you stay on your tracks and just be like I said, I won't forget you, never forget you. I love you, but I have to remember me. And remembering me requires I got to continue to give work to myself and, and develop my skill. And ho I hope to see you someday later. Fortunately for me, my mom came around. She's been clean 16 years now. And just by that thought, I mean, we just took a road trip last week. And so it's amazing <laughs> to, to just that it works out. It's, it's, it's fake for sure. Um, but sometimes yeah. if it didn't, you have to be at peace with the outcome. Right. And I, I see that. I see people who have a dream of business or a dream of launching out in their art and their craft, but you know, there's a boyfriend or girlfriend or a spouse or a, a thing, whatever it is, you know, a relationship that seems to be holding them back and they're afraid to let go. But here you're sharing the story of, of being, you know, a middle schooler, essentially saying, recognizing you have to separate from your own mother. And that's like, but it is, it's a beautiful thing to see what happened, you know, long-term. The, the story, um, I think it was your Ted talk, right? Where your mom was there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Jackson, it, the TEDx Jackson. Is that where they offered you the, um, the scholarship? No. Am I mixing TEDx the stories Jackson. up? You're not, you're not, you, you are, okay. but you, you're close. Okay. Um, so I was, <laughs> well, I you're was the better open... storyteller. So I'll let you share that story. Yeah. It's let's, a beautiful culmination of, of staying on your tracks and how it ultimately brought like joy, you know, to your own mom. Yeah. No, no lie. Continuously. So I was uh, at an open mic and the guys that were doing sound there, they had, we formed a friendship and they also did the, the sound for TEDx Jacksonville or TEDx Jacks. And they told me, they was like, you should apply for TEDx Jacks. We've seen you perform a few times at this open mic deal or this uh, songwriters night by Mike, Mike Shackelford used to host this songwriters night and not go in there with a poem all the time. So the sound guys was like, yo, we're working at TEDx Jacks. You should, you should apply for TEDx Jacks, but not as a speaker, as a performer. And so mm -hmm. those conferences, they're like 12 speakers and you got performances at performance, <laughs> performances as entertainment in the middle of those conferences at TEDx. That's how it goes when you're there. Okay. And so they had 700 people in the audience that year. And I was just a performer. So in between, it'll be me, it'll be a band, it might be ballet, uh, something that entertains the crowd. But I was not a speaker. Speakers get 18 minutes. Performers get, say, 10 minutes because it's just like a break. And I was there. And I was like, I'm a speaker, though. I do poetry. I'm a speaker. And they were like, no, no, you, you go on as a performer because they knew that I wouldn't Great. Listen, bro, fit. I'm telling you. <laughs> they, I'm trying to get, I'm telling you how to get in. I'm trying to tell you how to get in. You want in on that stage, get on that stage. Do whatever you want to do on that stage, but get in on that stage. And so they gave it a chance, man. I applied and I got in 2016. And um, they had outside, they had banners, retractable banners that the audience members put stickers up on the banner. They had a banner that said, this speaker gave me chills. This speaker... Um, made me think the speaker they had several banners 
And so you had stickers and you put your sticker of the name of the speaker up there. Performers don't get stuff like that. They don't have stickers. And so whatever speaker did what you had to attach how you felt to that banner when you got outside for your break or lunch break. Everybody's things was setting up and packing. But so that that was a little I, I jumped ahead for you just to let you know when I performed that on that stage, I got a standing ovation from the whole audience. And my mom was sitting in the audience. And I talked about her overcoming her drug addiction. And mm-hmm. so she got hugged by all these strangers. And then we go outside at for lunch and the retractable banner. I don't have a sticker. My name is written all over the banner. <laughs> they wrote it in. People want everybody just all over my name, all over. I never forget it. And in that audience was TEDx Tuscaloosa. And they wow. invited me to come to Tuscaloosa where University of Alabama is at. And I go to University of Alabama, uh, for this TEDx Tuscaloosa and I perform in 2017, a year later, and I performed a poem called uh, Transcripts. And in that poem, I said that I, I want to get my master's just to say I did that too. It seems like people treat you different when you've made it far in school. And the professors were in the room from the communication studies department, and they uh, offered me a chance to get my master's fully funded in 2017. Wow. And I was like, wow, my, right in front of my mama. After they heard that line, they was like, were you serious? I was like, yeah. And it was like, well, you can come here. I was like, this is the biggest campus I've ever visited. Like, and I speak <laughs> at colleges, right? For the last, I've been speaking at like 800 colleges. This is the biggest campus ever. And they were like, well, we got ways to get it fully funded for you. And so I started in 2019. <laughs> Before I got started, I had an illness in 2018 that I, I, I could barely uh, see and, and couldn't walk for like three weeks. Right. And so I got over that. Um, and fought my way back, wrote about that. Next year, I was at the MGM Grand in the summer speaking on the stage with a poem I wrote when I was sick. And I also started uh, college in the fall of that year. Uh, and I graduated uh, last, about a year ago to date these days. Now, I think it's one of these days. And we're getting yeah, closer to it, I'll tell you that. Close. <laughs> it's been a year since I walked across the stage with my, my master's degree in communication studies. And they've offered me a chance to get my doctorate fully funded as well because I, I perform. Right. I love that space. Like I, I enjoy my education and, um, and I enjoy the growth that happened with me. That's awesome. So, th- so the next chapter somewhere down the road is going to be a doctorate as well. I believe so. I believe so. I, I enjoy teaching too. I, I'm still as impactful as I was uh, as, a, as a teacher um, in, in that space in academia. I found out I did have a, a good space and I brought it all away from the hood. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, and so how long have you been uh, doing uh, poetry, speaking, spoken word uh, in a full-time capacity? How many years? So we're talking since 2013. 2013? Yeah, I started in 2012, so it's been a decade or so, yeah. Right. And wow. I know you had a, a tenacious journey to step out of that. Um, I I remember... Oh, wait. It's uh, today. Of course, I don't want to tell it's you. Today. It's, it's today. today. Today is, is your... Quitiversary. Quitiversary, that's what it was. <laughs> is it literally today? I know it. It's today, the 26th of every month. Hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How many I, years? I left the quitiversary then? December 26th. Um, let's see, because I always have to do the math, man. I know it's like eight <laughs> years and, and four months now. Eight years. Oh, and so four you months. do it month to month, just as a reminder. Oh, yeah. The 26th of every month. Yeah, well, I take myself to eat. 
stay on my Instagram and won't eat something nice today and take a picture <laughs> of it, and make him stick a candle in it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I think uh, Ryan Tedder is a producer for like One Republic, a lot of other other people, and he had talked about. I was listening to his interview, and basically, I I think he was doing like uh, catering, like he was one of the servers in like a catering thing, and he did that for a long time. And they were like, "So, what was your goal when you you went full time in music?" He was like, "To never go back to catering. Like that's all I cared about. Is I just never wanted to go work for somebody else." <laughs> now, for years. Your story, though, would you mind kind of breaking down that story where you're going part time, you know, started touring and you're still working and yeah, and then getting fired and then get rehired and then and quitting? Yeah, because I that's such a uh, it's a story of tenacity that I think everyone should know. So I learned about uh, a conference being held in uh, New York in 2011 and it was a, a training conference, but I heard about it and I wanted to apply. I don't forget where I heard about it, but I knew it was going to be about a $3,000 um, sacrifice for me because I like to put rims on my car and paint my car and put music in my car. And so I went to my godmother, my god grandmother, Dolores Kessler, the woman who gave me the first scholarship I got to go to school. Amazing. That's grandma now. And so I go to her and I say, I got this money I can spend and, and go to this conference I don't know. Should I? What do you think? Because she's she's everything to me. And she says, well, Rod, that's a you're you're investing in yourself. Do you trust yourself? Will you you know, do you think you'll do well on that stage? And I was like, I think so. Mm -hmm. And so I go to this conference in 2011 that was in the Marriott Marquis in New York City. At the time, Hamilton was performed outside by the people that are in the movie right now. Those people wow. were outside. It's right. It's amazing. Now that I look back and see them all performing on the street, trying to get people to come to this show. And so, right. 2011. Um, and um, she tell me it's an investment. And so I go and and, and I'm in this space and I perform. Uh, and so I $3,000 investment, enough schools booked me to turn that 3000 into 6,500. And I was like, okay, I made money. And I, I told my story. And so I was like, I'm gonna do this again. I took another 3000 and I went to Hershey and I came back in 2012 with 34 co uh, colleges booked me. It was like, That's Oh, awesome. 34 schools wanted to see me. This is amazing. And so I took a leave of absence from my job to see how the touring would have worked from the, the first uh, set of schools that I got. And that was lovely. I was like, this is cool. I might be able to sustain myself if I continue to do this. More people need to hear this. And so I, try to keep the job because I mean, I want to work like we were, I was a longshoreman. I worked on a ship and the ship comes in several times a week or just once a week and they have two or three ships, but the work had gotten really slow. You know, sometimes I'll mm. make like $200 a week. And I was like, man, I can go on tour and make a thousand dollars. This is great. Let me go ahead and go get my money. And so right. I was taken off. I was respectfully taking off. I knew that I was necessary on certain days, but I did my best to weed through it. I used my days and then, Eventually, they told me I couldn't take off anymore. I think people started getting jealous because they knew I was going to make some money. And so this is <laughs> control factor that people have when they are over right. you. And that's what happened. And they told, told me I couldn't take off. And I already had a tour set up. And so I took off anyway. <laughs> and then I came back like I didn't take off. <laughs> y'all, like, hey, hey, what's, what's up? What's up? <laughs> When's lunch? I could have sworn I was young. I was there. I could, you ain't take my name. And so they fired me. 
Okay. That was a that was in October. And I sat home like, man, they show fired me, but I got this 34 city college tour lined up for me. But I don't like being fired. And so I was like, let me do the work and get my job back. Y'all don't fire me. So I got my job back by December and uh and worked a couple of weeks knowing that I got this tour coming up. And I wanted to say goodbye to everybody. I was like, yo, they hugged me. Man, I'm so glad you're back. You should have seen my coworkers. Welcome back, Rod. Good job. You put it to the system and you got back in here. Yeah, I sure did. I did a lot of work too. I had a consultation with them and all. Like we sat at the table and I was like, in my in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm good. y'all have no idea what I'm about to do. And so they ended up um, you know, I'm in, I'm talking to them, I'm, I, I, but I whispered to my homeboys once you give them that, give me that, you know, give me a hug. I said, Hey man, it's gonna happen soon. <laughs> hey man, you keep your eye open. I love you, I'm gonna miss you. I just came back to say goodbye. And so the day after Christmas, I was told to get in a truck. And I was like, you know, today is the day I don't feel like getting in a truck anymore. Could you give me a piece of paper? I asked my manager and he gave me a piece of paper and I wrote my resignation uh, right then and there. And I left that job and that was in 2013. So here we are. Um, I've sustained. I've moved to Atlanta. I have came back to Jacksonville and then I got the... Uh, the scholarship to go to college. I spent two years in Tuscaloosa these last two years, and now I'm back at home, um, excited. I, I went back to the, this exact spot in Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, what a month or so ago. Oh, you were out there. Um, nice. No, 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 no. When when did we go to Hershey? Oh, was that March? Yeah, Hershey was uh, end of March this year. You're talking like right. 2022, right? Yes. Yep. And so. That was coincidental that I mean, the timing was just right for me to step back on that stage and come away now, you know, priced higher, more aware, more informed and more excited about these students. And I come away with 31 colleges that say they want to see me at that conference. Uh, No, now and and Hamilton to be playing this year again. (laughs) That's the crazy part. This is perfect. On Broadway. Yeah blown and up unbelievable to see just the you know i'm excited about where life is about to take me yeah absolutely man and i i love that story i actually i shared that story to a lot of other folks uh when we were talking about like stepping out you know in and really going after your dreams. And I was like, yeah, there's this dude I know. And he literally got his old job back after they fired him just to quit and let him know that <laughs> he was in control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And I, yeah. I think that tenacity is what it, it really does take to step out in the arts world, step out in a business world, all of that. Um, you know, I, there's a, a friend of mine, he was the podcast uh, just yesterday, we, we recorded ours. And he had his own thriving business. Uh, he was it was like a, an affiliate of somebody else. Uh, kind of like, what's that, what's that called? Um, damn it. Like when McDonald's, like when you buy a McDonald's, your franchise, it, he basically had like yes. a franchise type business doing really well. Um, but he had this dream of building a coffee shop. And so he, he, he was getting things in motion, but all of a sudden the franchise pushed him out and just, it's a, it's a whole long story, but pushed him out. And there he was just signed a new lease for this coffee shop that he was just planning on, slowly building where all well now he's all in like this is what he has to do and i think sometimes 
it's like you got to jump in there, drop the three grand or drop the, like for us, we dropped about 10 grand that first year on conference after conference. And in the first right. one, it really sucked because we committed all the way. And the first one, we got nothing like zero. Right. And I was like, so oh rough. shit, did we just make a big mistake? But it does seem like when you move towards that direction, towards your goals and, and towards that passion where you feel like you really want to go, things just begin to open up despite the struggles along the way. So they that's, do. that's cool. It's a powerful story, man. Well, uh, last two questions out of uh, the podcast, Live and Create. Uh, right now, how would you define living a great life? I think we, we, we win when we realize we're the authors of our story. So making great moments in that story, um, not letting strangers pass you. I mean, not making people feel uncomfortable, but really engaging, laughing with strangers, you know, sharing a moment and in every moment, appreciating every moment, looking at the sky when it's a certain color that just blows your mind, like pull over and just stare at, at it and soak it in. Just appreciating every part of it is living a great life. Every part of it, the downs, our losses carry wins. You know, the ups, knowing that it's up and it's good, it feels it, soaking it in and just embracing every moment, which allows you to embrace a lot of people in it. I love it. And the last, last question, how would you define right now creating great things? I think creating great things leaves a positive, a positive effect on, on the people that experience those great things. So for me, I know a poem has hit when people share with me that experience and the feeling that I felt at closing the poem or writing the poem. Greatness as far as that. Great photos make you feel a certain way. Man, that makes me feel good. It's just that it's easy. It's, it, it has to have an effect on someone else that receives it, you know, which is still relative, but when you when you hit those moments with people, I got a hug yesterday from a guy I never, I never met before because I shared with him my special needs kids poem. He, he, he works out tremendously. He's a big buff guy, but he gave me the tightest hug. And he's like, yo, you are so great. And I knew that that, that was a great thing that I created, that, I, that it has that effect on people. You know? And I'm so happy that I have the ability to sway a full audience you know, to feel that way. That's huge, man. And you definitely do, man. I love, I love seeing you in the past. I look forward to seeing you again on the road uh, here soon. Let everyone know how they can connect with you or book you and, and uh, get, get you there at their spot. Uh, visit oddrod.net. That's my website. You'll find my social media stuff there. You can book me through Metropolis Management, um, but you could also email me through my website. If you want to talk to me if it's in, uh, not a, a, a college event, and you got something that you, you feel like I fit at, nine times out of 10, I fit. Go ahead and, and let's just ask, a, let's get the paperwork out of the way so I can help your people. I love it. I love it, man. Well, dude, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Very much. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.